previously on Timehole. Oh. Oh. oh my god. Oh my god. Welcome to November 92. It's an era of grunge, Clinton mania, and pogs. Look, I don't want to set myself up for failure, but this is prime Anastasia time. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. This year was very formative for me. Bill Clinton just won the election. Wow. Last week. Oh my God. Ooh, Bram Stoker's Dracula comes out this week. Oh my God. <laughs> that movie. What would you like us to watch, Adele? Please watch and review the 1992 fishing drama, A River Runs Through It. Oh, jeez. Oh, Working in the garage late one night, producer and computer programmer Gabe Dannon was attempting to create a sentient podcasting AI when he accidentally stumbled upon the code for time travel. With the materials he had at hand, Gabe built a machine he was certain would carry him into the past. With his trusty friend Anastasia Vigo by his side, he embarked on the maiden voyage. But an error in the machinery sent the duo hurling through random dates, unable to move on until they review a work of pop culture. Are Gabe and Anastasia forever trapped in the time hole? Hello, help, we're in a time hole. Oh gosh, how annoying. It is, it's so annoying. Uh, we've been stuck in it for many weeks now. Yeah. I'm Gabe. I'm Anastasia. If you're getting this, um, it's because for the first time I figured out how to get what we've recorded to the future. Yeah, so, you know, our time machine, Adele, um, mm -hmm. For whatever reason, we don't know why she's sending us to random times. And Gabe, you, you're you a bit of a podcast buff, <laughs> aficionado. And for some reason, in all of your inventions that you made, you build in podcasting tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never know when I'm going to need a podcast. So I definitely yeah. put a full recording setup in the time machine. When you made that automatic potato peeler, you added a <laughs> podcasting uh Yeah, it's setup. got Bluetooth. It's got Bluetooth. <laughs> when you made um, that automatic lawnmower. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, pa that's got Bluetooth. <laughs> And so that's when my, you that's my catchphrase. That's got Bluetooth. <laughs> when you made this time machine, you built That's got in... Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I built in uh it's you know, it's got uh noise cancellation, you know, on on the walls. It's got little headphones for us, microphones. It's perfect. And so we can we can at least Keep a record of of this and send it to the future for you and to listen finally, to. And finally, Adele was like, yeah, I'll, I'll send this to your normal time. Our normal time that we live in is 2023. That's where we came from. Yeah. We were in 2023. I invited Anastasia over to check out my sweet time machine. 
I thought we, we were back. just gonna hang. Like I was like, oh yeah, Gabe has a new invention, and then we're gonna have some chips and dip, and like maybe watch something. Yeah, last week it was a my VR setup. Um, <laughs> this week it was a time machine, and uh, you were creating your own metaverse, and <laughs> and you put podcasting equipment in there as well. That's got Bluetooth. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop saying it, I promise. No, I like your catchphrase. You're like <laughs> kind of like a tech uh, Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if only. <laughs> yeah, we bounced around a few times from a few different times. We were in the 40s. We were in the 70s. I, I mean, 70s. It was wild. We had to watch Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we're not able to move on until we review something that she, she picks for us. Yeah. Adele, I, I feel like she's become this, you know, she's completely like artificial intelligence. She's running the ship here. And I feel like she's become a little bit, she's like loving this game. She's like our jigsaw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I agree. Um, You know, so far she hasn't made us cut our own legs off or anything. But no. Well, you know, so far it's just reviewing media throughout time. Yeah. So um, I just want to say, you know, even though we're going to be covering, you know, movies and shows, I don't think that this is a show where you as a listener have to feel compelled to watch along with us. No, not at all. Um, Because. I think some of the stuff she's going to make us watch isn't going to be very good. So so don't worry. This week, especially, don't worry about <laughs> about watching along. And I think, you know, sometimes we cover it well enough that it's like, if you don't want to partake in this thing, like, you don't, you really don't have to, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, we will do the watching and listening for you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we're, so we're gonna, what we do is she has demanded that we watch, uh, a river runs through it, a river runs through it, which came out this week. We just arrived in it's November 8th, 1992. And we're watching a brand new movie that just came out. A river runs through it. Um, so we're going to watch that. We're going to spend the week in 1992 and we're going to reconvene in about a week and talk about it. Yeah, we like to just go explore off on our own and then come back, share our week with each other. And um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll find a movie theater during that time to watch A River Runs Through It. And, you know, some kooky things might happen along the way. You never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we're this is a time travel situation, so you never know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Are you ready, Gabe? I'm ready. 1992. I was there. Uh, I was there too. <laughs> just a kid. Um, yeah. So let's let's go. All right. Let's do it. I'll see you in a week. Bye. Bye. Hi. Do you mind if I sit next to you on this ripped up old couch? No problem. Let me move my bag. I'm Julia. Gabe. Nice to meet you. Is the coffee good here? I might 
order something in a giant mug like you have there. Oh, yeah, you gotta. It's the 90s. Everything is bigger. Muffins, coffee cups. It's the 90s. That is perfect because I came here to have a 90s experience. This coffee shop, Mud Slappers. Oh, I don't like that name. It's a great place to just hang out and write your manifesto, you know? You're writing a manifesto? Yeah, you seem cool. You know how it is. It's the 90s. I like how you <laughs> I like how you keep saying what decade it is. Everyone has a manifesto, man. The people are speaking their minds and standing up to the government and calling out politicians for their bullshit. Someday, we'll storm the Capitol. Oh, no. Please don't. Bill Clinton just got elected, and things are about to change. He's not like other presidents. He wears boxers. He's progressive and not in the pocket of big business. He's practically a feminist. Oh, no, Julia. What about you, friend? You look pretty cool. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I'm grunge, just like you. Oh, uh, hey, like wait a minute. It's embarrassing to say that. I, I don't like labels. Oh, sorry. Uh, you're not. No, you're not grunge. Um, you're just grun grungy. Okay, now that's offensive. I I stopped using commercial shampoo and just put tea tree oil in my hair. It's supposed to be better. Oh no 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 no. You look great. Um, so, no, sorry. Uh, no, thank you. Thanks for explaining your decade to me. That's a weird thing to say, but hey, I'm a modern 90s woman. What say we get out of here and have safe sex at my place? Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm a happily married guy. Sorry, I can't do that. Um, I'm glad you're being safe, though. And that you're a 90s woman. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is going to be a segment that we'll do every week on the podcast where we just talk about the business of the week, podcast business, what have you. Uh, what do we call this segment, Gabe? Well, in internal discussions, we were calling it the biz seg. <laughs> I think we could keep that. Biz seg? Let's call it the biz seg. I love it. So we have some biz to talk about this week. We just wanted to send our support to the WGA and SAG-AFTRA who are striking. Uh, we know that they're striking because Adele, our time machine, is bringing us news from our time, thankfully. We begged her to do this. We were so homesick. She finally did it. Yeah, she got us access to a few sites that, you know, news aggregators. So we're able to kind of like stay up on what's happening in 2023 as these episodes are coming out. One of those sites is Perez Hilton. It's like, come on, Adele. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going on there. Why do we need that site? <laughs> I guess she was just like, they'll want like regular news and celeb news. And like, I can't get my friggin' sports scores. <laughs> Come on, Adele. Come on, we Adele. Need a, we need a sports scores. I need to know what the sports are happening. <laughs> uh, we turn into a couple Travoltas <laughs> yeah. when, when we talk about sports. But uh, yeah, so she, she told us back in our time, um, WGA and SAG after our striking. And we stand behind them 100%. Yeah. They... 
make the things that we love. We love movies. We love TV shows. And we know that only true creative people can make the programs and the movies that move us. Yeah, the executives at the streaming companies and AIs will never be able to do the job of a creative person. If you want to support the entertainment community, go to entertainmentcommunity.org and uh, donate to the fund there. That fund goes to any worker affected by work stoppage. Please join us and support the writers and the actors in this time. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Gabe! Stars! We're back! We're back! Whoa, <sighs> that was a wild time. It was a wild time. It's a wild decade. It's a wild year. Um, I spend most of it indoors, I'm going to be honest. Oh, really? But, yeah. Um, welcome back. Gosh, um, Thank you. Welcome back to you. How yeah. did you spend your week? Oh, I, I did I did some stuff. I, I watched some stuff. I um I'll say, first of all, you know I uh I always like to fit in wherever I whenever I get to a new time. Uh-huh. Um fashion wise. So of course I had to get a huge suit. <laughs> I was gonna comment on your massive suit. First of all, <laughs> yeah, it's double breasted, which is yes. So, like, we haven't done double breasted suits since the nineties, right? Like, that's not been a thing since the nineties. No, um, it's too much. <laughs> it's it is too much. Uh, it is so big. You're wearing shoulder pads, maybe. Yeah. Picture any episode of Seinfeld from the nineties. I'm wearing the suit Jerry was wearing. On stage. It's way too big on me. Your leg, um, your pant leg is just very wide and baggy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tripping over this damn thing everywhere I go. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got my my huge suit. And, yeah, I've just been, uh, I've been doing some 90s stuff. I went to the library. I was using the computer over there. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was using, you know, Windows 3.1. Oh, my God. Um. Which was a real blast. Did you? I I used to play solitaire on like the Windows solitaire all the time. Oh yeah, I would do that at work. I worked in the box office at a movie theater, and and if you just like closed the ticket printing software or you minimized it, you could just play solitaire for hours. Amazing. And, and that's what we would do. Um, I played Wolfen Wolfenstein 3D. Ooh. On the computer there. Uh, shot some Nazis. Amazing. Um, so that was fun. This is a pretty, it was a pretty, uh, state of the art game. I mean, this that is was like 3D and everything. This is wild. It's not just like a side scroll, th you know, game, which I think was yeah. the norm before this. Yeah. It was basically one of the first games like this, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I was at um, Borders Bookstore. Oh, nice! You know where they let you uh, where they let you listen to the music in the walls. They had the yeah, I remember they, that. 
Yeah, so they had the headphones. So I was checking out some some current music. Uh, I found a really interesting. Th- just this week came out this album "Back in Denim" by mm-hmm. the band Denim. Pretty. If if one person gets this reference, it'll be worth me having brought it up. <laughs> but it was the uh, it was the band that Lawrence from from Felt started after Felt broke up. Um, so, question for you. Weird stuff. Is this yeah. similar to how you spent 1992 when you lived it as a child? Oh, that is a good question. I was 11. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, I bet I did listen to music in the wall but at, at Borders, but I wasn't able to go on my own. So, I was more, you know, at the whim of what my parents were doing. Did you play Wolfenstein? I did play Wolfenstein, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Were you already into computers at that age? Yeah, I got into computers at a really young age. Mm. Um, I, I had Wolfenstein at home. I had a, a Windows computer where when you turned on the computer, you didn't go right into Windows. You had to start in DOS and type W-I-N, enter, <laughs> and then you went into Windows. Uh-huh. <laughs> You had to so. open Windows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Win- Please open Windows, Mr. Computer, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were you were really indoors, huh? I was. I'm an indoorsy guy. So yeah. many of my stories may not be that interesting because that's just how I spend my life. This whether is super it be interesting. In the present or the past. Um I did go to the movies. I went to ex- besides the movie that we're reviewing for this week. Um, I went to the local art house cinema and uh, checked out this movie, Light Sleeper. It's Mm. a Paul Schrader movie. Just came out uh, starring Willem Dafoe as a drug dealer and uh, also as Susan Sarandon. I really enjoyed it. If you like Paul Schrader movies, they're definitely a vibe. I had a great time. I love Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's a sex scene in it? There is a sex scene in it. Wait, you is see this some... an erotic thriller? It's not super erotic. I think there's just one sex scene. Darn it. Um, uh, with him and uh, Dana Delaney. Ooh. <laughs> um, also in the movie, you see a very young uh, Sam Rockwell. Cute. Um, and uh, in one scene, you get uh, David Spade as a, as a cokehead. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It was very funny to see them pop up in the movie. The nine. The reason why I asked about the erotic thrillers because I feel like that was really big in the nineties. Erotic thrillers. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of David Spade, mm-hmm. last night I stayed up late and watched the new episode of SNL. Oh shit! <laughs> with Michael Keaton as the host and wow. music with guest Morrissey. <gasps> wow. Um, it was not a great episode. We started with, uh, because of the election, mm-hmm. we started with uh, Dana Carvey as Bush mm-hmm. doing all his, like, not going to do it. We got all the all the catchphrases. Wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> Wish I won the election. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. there was so much Rob Schneider. It was like the Rob Schneider show in this mm-hmm. episode for some reason. Uh, there was a huge, long, like, literally, like, 10-minute long Gutenberg Awards sketch with Schneider as Billy Crystal. Weird. Doing like the Oscars, but for books. Mm -hmm. And it just dragged on and on. It was horrible. 
Um, and and uh, I'd say the only good sketch was this one with uh, Adam Sandler playing a grandma. Cute. And Chris Farley is the grandson who has to make sure that the grandma is occupied while Michael Keaton goes and tries to have sex with Julia Sweeney. So, <laughs> and uh, Sandler gets to do his, why are you, you know, that voice a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it was a fun sketch. That was the, that was the one part I liked. So I watched this new SNL and just like every era of SNL, it had a lot of stinkers. Yeah, I think like because this is my era of SNL that I grew mm-hmm. up with, so Same, I yeah. think of it fondly. But the truth is, is because of the process that they do, where they write and produce a show in four days or five days, you know, mm-hmm. they have stinkers. Every every episode has multiple stinkers. And it's actually the the good ones are rare, um, and those are the ones we remember, right? Yep. Uh huh. More cowbell, right? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's mostly how I spent my week. I will say, you know, I love to get the birthdays. Um, yes. <laughs> Cardi B, born last month. Cute. Um, and then in just a few weeks, uh, Miley Cyrus will be born. Wow. Yeah, so Billy Ray Cyrus having sex as we as we speak. <laughs> yeah, the gestation period for Miley Cyrus was very short. <laughs> it was just three weeks. Well, I would, you know, who knows if he was having sex to make Miley Cyrus, but you know, we know he's fucking in 1992. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anastasia, yes. tell me, how did you spend the week in 1992? First of all, I spent this time much like I did in my childhood. Um, and part of that includes sketch comedy. So for whatever reason, I, I'm not sure how, but me, my brother and sister were obsessed with the Ben Stiller show. And this is a show that at the time, no one watched. It was on at like Sunday night or like um, sometimes they, they would change it to Friday night. And, you know, I was 10 years old in November. I was going to be 11 in December of 92. So I was home on a Friday night and on Sunday, you know. So uh, I watched every Ben Stiller show episode I could get my hands on. And, um, yeah, we were we were obsessed. And it was I would say this show and Saturday Night Live and Kids in the Hall were like the most influential shows on my brand, like my sense of humor. So uh, Ben Stiller show um, featured Janine Garofalo, Bob Odenkirk and uh, Andy Dick and some other people. But here's a sketch from the episode that aired on November 8th, 1992, starring Bob Odenkirk as Charles Manson. Dear Charles, I have three rambunctious children. How do you remove a tomato stain from a Persian rug? You can't get a stain out. You think I'm the stain. They they say Charlie is a stain and they try to rub me out and put me in a jail cell. Only you don't, you just spread me around more. I'm inside your children. I'm a stain all out there in the world. I'm not just locked up. You're locked up in the prison. I'm free. I'm I'm (laughs) floating around and looking around. I like it up here. 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's very silly. It's like very topical of the time. Like they make fun of grunge kids and like, I don't know. It It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. But I, to this day, think it's super funny. I have it on DVD. I watch it from time to time. But That's it's awesome. all, um, you know, back in 2023, it's all on YouTube. It's amazing to see how his career has been going on for so long and is maybe at its peak now. Yeah. But he's been plugging away doing sketch comedy for 30 years. That's yeah. incredible. He was actually a writer on SNL before the Ben Stiller show. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah. He's Van Down been... by the River. Yes. Yeah. So he's been doing sketch comedy for so long and, you know, obviously got, um, fam- you know, more popular with Mr. Show with sketch comedy there. But now he's like doing drama and he's doing great. And, I just, you know, God bless him. I love Bob Odenkirk. He did that movie where he kicks ass. Yeah, I didn't did you see, see that because I was scared to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, no, his heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, So I was so excited. You know, I, I like just rented a hotel room and they had cable TV because at the time that was a big thing for hotel rooms to advertise. They had cable. <laughs> and um so I was really excited like oh I can I can see what's on Ben Solar show was on watch that um I watched some other shows which you know these are all well-known TV shows but I this is like the height of my TV watching as a kid too yeah. I was watching literally everything um and some big shows for me were beverly hills 90210 doogie hauser seinfeld murphy brown uh i could go on but there was this one show that has rightfully been forgotten because it was horrible but uh i watched it and i loved it and it just so happens that this tv show created the number one song this week uh, called How Do I Talk to an Angel? And that TV show is called The Heights. It was about uh-huh. a group of friends who create a band. And Jamie Walters, also from 90210, later on, who s- sucks in <laughs> 90210, <laughs> he sings this song. And, and here's a little clip of that. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. Hey now, hey now. Also, in the story of this episode, he's new, they don't know him, and he's like auditioning to fill in for this other guy, and he's like, hey, I've got a song I can play, and they're like, okay, play it. They've never heard this song before, but they just get right in there and start jamming. Nice. The heights. (laughs) I never um, saw this. I never even heard of it. Yeah, see, it's forgotten uh, to history. But uh, actually, another funny connection, Ben Stiller show did a sketch where they make fun of both 90210 and The Heights in one sketch. And they 
copy this scene in particular so well it's hilarious because like oh there's goodness. a the guy with the locks behind him playing bass and then the, the way that they keep looking at each other it's all these <laughs> close-ups of the different band members just going like yeah like looking at each other Amazing. um and then so i was like okay music i want to see more music so i turn on mtv heard of it <laughs> Here's a little promo you right, might remember from this time. Out of hang with MTV. First, plug in your set, then screw in your handy coaxial cable. Now you're ready to go. At four, count down the day's hottest videos, hang in with the most wanted. Then at five, it's live performances from your favorite bands, plus first look videos, cool people, cool places, and really stupid stuff. It's all live, and it's all on Hangin' with MTV, the feel-good show of the year, tomorrow. It's a live blowout with performances from the Beastie Boys, Crisscross, Cross, Arrested Development, Nirvana, and more, tomorrow at five. Whoa. What a mix of performances. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, much like music at this time, little tiny Anastasia was also in a transition period because oh. I feel like 89 to 92, hip hop and R&B were, you know, king. Yeah. And grunge really didn't hit mainstream until 92. Like, I, as a 10-year-old in a small town in Arizona, didn't really hear about grunge until I started watching 120 Minutes on mm -hmm. MTV. Some of my favorites at the time, Boys to Men, End of the Road, uh, Rhythm is a Dancer. Do you remember that song? Mm -hmm. um, and Vogue was like my... Their album Funky Divas was on constant right. rotation for me. Yeah. Rex in effect. I want to just play a clip of this video. Imagine a 10 year old girl mm -hmm. watching this video full of bikini babes dancing on the beach. <laughs> yeah. I remember this one well. It's a uh, rump shaker, rump, rump shaker by Rex in effect. Also a band no one really talks about very much. No. Mm -mm. This bikini babe is playing saxophone on the beach. <laughs> like the president. <laughs> one. Shout out Delaware. Wow, this this song takes a long time to get to the the hook to the get to the hook. Okay, so my interpretation of these lyrics <laughs> is that he wants to have sex in her butt. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to do is zoom a zoom zoom in your boom boom. <laughs> oh, you know, I always thought it was like, I'm going to take a camera and zoom into your butt. <laughs> Am I wrong? I no, look, 
I've never heard Rex in effect um, comment on the meaning behind the lyrics in the song. So I don't know. That's my interpretation now as an adult. But the lyrics are like, like talking about his dick as a long, sharp sword and stuff. Mm. And like saying that he's going to go down before he enters and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's all very sexual. As a little 10-year-old watching MTV, I knew it was sexual, but I didn't really... I was like, oh, yeah, they think butts are sexy. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, the video is, like, very horny, I'll just say. Indeed. Indeed it is. Some other great empty videos by Arrested Development. TLC had great videos at the time. And the one music video that played over and over again, and I hated it as a child, and I still hate it today, is Guns N' Roses' November Rain. Because it's like a 12-minute song or something. Yeah. But I was like, look, I, as a child, you know, I, I discovered Pearl Jam and Nirvana this year. I started going to, like, local shows next year like in 93 um i saw the movie singles when i was a kid and i was like obsessed with it um i (laughs) started wearing for kids yeah i was in the fifth grade and you know at this time and i like started wearing like baggy clothes and eyeliner and people were like what's going on with anastasia (laughs) um but because i was a child i never really got to see nirvana live and i was so sad about that so i went to dillard's And I waited in line (laughs) at their ticket window for hours only to find out that Nirvana was not playing any shows in November of 1992. Um, So I was was really bummed out about that. So I wanted to eat some comfort food and I went um, and grabbed some of my favorites. Here are some of the commercials I saw that then influenced what I was going to go eat. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that commercial, but Mm -hmm. it it was one we often would sing as kids. (laughs) 59799. Also, um, for a dessert, I loved Viennetta. So, oh my god, I forgot about these. Yeah, I. This was something that was like a treat on the weekends that we would get. Mm-hmm. Um, you could buy it at the grocery store's freezer section. It was like kind of ice cream, but yeah. kind of. I remember it seemed like the fanciest thing you could think of. Right. But it really was just like. With its irresistible, crisp, dark That crunch fully work in the commercial. Yeah. It's the same sound they use when they like crack someone's bones in an action movie. <laughs> to me i can't say i can't say one slice is never a <laughs> it's so funny to me um, oh my goodness viennetta you go to vienna and try and order one of those they're like huh <laughs> also i don't know if you remember but they brought back viennetta in like 2020 or something and uh-huh. everyone was pissed because they were like this isn't the same <laughs> <laughs> um hmm. i think also, it's the same it probably was, right? And it just wasn't yeah. as good as we remembered it. Yeah. Um, I also went to McDonald's. Um, you know, I'd never been like a huge McDonald's fan. Whoa. But this commercial was... In magic. 
and I hope you do. You'll always have a friend wearing big red shoes. Anything can happen right before your eyes. I don't have to play the whole thing, but that commercial played a lot when I was a kid. Oh, I remember it well. Great tribute to the Love and Spoonful. It was a time where if you did a commercial, you would just like use a real song and change the words to it. I actually kind of discovered a lot of music that way as a child. Yeah. There was a a truck commercial that used a Who song uh, for a long time. And then when I finally got into Who, I was like, oh, I thought that was like a truck jingle. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So the last thing I kind of discovered, which I thought was really funny, and this is just sort of like a little side note, is I was reading the New York Times and they had this article, um, Lex, or no, the article was in the style section of the Sunday New York Times. um, And it was just about like grunge culture. It's called Grunge, A Success Story. And there was a part of it like a little breakout part called Lexicon of Grunge, Breaking the Code. And they had a bunch of words in there like bloated or bag of bloatation means drunk. Bound and hagged means you're staying home on a Friday or Saturday night. Cobnobler means loser. Dish (laughs) means desirable guy. Fuzz is heavy wool sweaters, which I think is funny. So the they published this in the New York Times and it came out later that how they got this list is they called a record company called Caroline Records and they just asked the first person they spoke to who was Megan Jasper who was 25 at the time she worked for Caroline Records they just asked her like what's some grunge lingo and she just made this up on the spot she just made up all these words cuz she was like Essentially, at the time, you know, everyone was trying to label grunge stuff. They're like, cool grunge fashion is wearing flannels. And people in Seattle are like, we just wear flannels because it's cold. Yeah. (laughs) How do we package this? Right. How do we package this? And so this went on for quite a long time without anyone saying anything. And even... Some bands kind of like went on with the joke and learned some of the words and started like using like Mud Honey, (laughs) for example, used some of the terms in an interview with Melody Maker. That's funny. And it finally came out like years later that this woman just like straight up made these words up and swinging on the flippity flop means hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Lame stain. I like that one. So if anyone wants to use these, I'm sure you can Google grunge speak and it'll come up. Yep. Anyways, that was my week. It was, you know, a lot of just doing what I did back then and reliving my my transition into a little punk kid. <laughs> it's fun. I'm glad you got a chance to do that. It's, yeah. uh, it's one of the best things about doing what we're doing here. I still have never seen Nirvana live. I hope to God someday we can go back to a time. (laughs) When they actually are playing. That would be great. Uh, Adele willing. Please, Adele. Please. Adele, how did you spend your week in 1992? As a programmable entity built to operate this time machine, I don't have the capability to spend my week like humans do. (laughs) However, as your guide, I monitored various goings-on during this period, 
including keeping tabs on the latest pop cultural phenomena. Wow, she really is like disciplined. She does, she won't let herself have fun. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> Adele, what kind of uh, pop cultural phenomena did you observe? During this time, grunge music began dominating the airwaves with bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. Also, Michael Jackson's black or white video stirred controversy with its violent imagery, yeah, we knew and Wayne's this. world yeah. premiered and became a cultural phenomenon, oh. spawning several catchphrases and a feature film. Showing. Two feature films. I don't mean to correct you, Adele, but yeah. there were two. Um, maybe she doesn't know that because it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't happened yet. So, I guess now we have to get to the to the real reason why we're here. And the right. thing that we need to do in order to move on yeah. to the and next who, time period. You know, who knows? Maybe this will finally send us back to our home time period. Yes. That, of course, is our number one goal. Yeah. Is to get back home. I mean, you have a wife and dog to get home to. I'm just a single loner. <laughs> so it's been fun, like, going around. We both about. deserve to, to be back home. It's true. It's true. It'll happen someday, hopefully. Yeah. But for now, Adele had us watch a movie that came out this week. A river runs through it. A river runs through it. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-two, directed by Robert Redford. Yeah. Based on a novella by Norman McLean with stories from his childhood in Montana. Wow. Um, so I thought this stunk. Um. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so I, I have to say, you know, I saw this when I was a kid, not right when it came out in the movie theater, um, but I rented it with my sister because this was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And really? Some, yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you which Oscars, not, not like the big ones. Um, and someone, some either like a late night comedian or I was watching Talk Soup a lot at this time. And like someone, some comedian made a joke about how two hours worth of fly fishing footage got nominated for an Oscar. And hey, now, Kevin, did you see this? <laughs> River I runs through it. I tried so hard to find that joke and who said it, and I cannot find it. I like Googled every co possible combination. Jay Leno, uh, you know, a river runs through it. Jay Leno, Oscar joke. You know, I looked who like hosted the Oscars. Like I was just trying to find it and I can't find it. So if anyone remembers this joke, please send it to me because it's driving me mad. But me and my sister thought that joke was so funny that we went out and rented this movie and we loved it. Wow. So you've seen the film you'd seen the film before. And, and I've are probably I've probably watched it I don't know, more than 10 times, I'm sure. Um yeah, this was my first time seeing it. I never saw it when it originally came out because it's about fishing. Um <laughs> and uh I didn't I didn't really enjoy it. I'm sorry to say. No, um, I mean Viewing it now with the 
mandate that Adele has given us that we have yes. to review things and and truly decide if they should remain part of culture. Um, yeah. I was really watching it with a different lens because I think when you see things when you're a kid, it's like you kind of get what you want out of it. And it's like the nostalgia of that is very different. Um, but I have told you before that I love uh, these kinds of 90s Oscar bait movies. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's just this big epic story with sort of like poetic moments or whatever um, dead poets in a society <laughs> standing was... on the desk oh captain my captain i love i love that movie too <laughs> um but they are like their own genre and they're often actually bad yeah so mm -hmm. i totally get why someone would not like this movie um, especially now, because I think it's really of its time. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It won an Oscar for Best Cinematography, and I actually do stand by that. It's a beautiful film, mm -hmm. like visually. Mm -hmm. um, and it was nominated for Best Score, but didn't win. Yeah, I was actually more expecting it to be like a more meditative kind of like Terrence Malicky, we're just watching dudes fishing. But there actually wasn't even all that much fishing in the movie. There are these like scenes that are like two minutes or more without any speaking. Yeah. And they're just fishing. But I think you're right in the fact that there's probably only like four or five fishing scenes. Yeah. And Terrence Malick, a director like him, he would have the courage to have zero dialogue but robert redford put this narration throughout the whole this voiceover narration yeah it's his and voice it's robert redford's voice that's what i that was what my research came up with it's wow. robert redford narrating the movie and it makes sense because it was based on this guy's novella about his youth so i'm sure these are just like straight up lines from the book but I think it could have done without the voiceover narration. It was not necessary. Yeah, it was terrible. It, it, yeah. it, the narration was a real snooze. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was really badly done, I thought. Interesting that Adele sent us to, to 1992 to watch a movie that takes place in, like, <laughs> Prohibition era. Yeah, so it's, it starts in, like turn of the century like either late 1800s or early 1900s and, yeah. but most of the movie takes place in the 20s mm -hmm. but i also think this was very popular in the 90s these kind of like period piece movies um like far and away and you know yeah um another oscar bait movie that i loved as a kid mm -hmm. <laughs> and another another clunker <laughs> another and watching it as an adult i'm like oh yeah this movie truly sucks but i still love it <laughs> um so uh brad pitt is in this movie he's very young and handsome in it tom scarrett plays the dad also very handsome also very handsome and you know what's funny about tom scarrett i kind of feel like he was perpetually old like even as yeah. a young man i think he often played old men totally the main actor in it craig sheffer 
I think was a real stinker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not good. Especially next to Tom Skerritt and even Brad Pitt, who's like not the height of Brad Pitt's acting yet. He's still very green. Although I would say his acting style has not changed overall in 30 years. Yeah, like a lot of his mannerisms are the same. Yeah. Um, He might not be as like as natural in this movie as he later becomes, but uh, he's doing a lot of his like Brad Pittisms. Like I think he's doing some eating. Um. He purses his lips in he the same his way. Lips. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot of the same looks, a lot of the same like f- hand flips. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's definitely a better actor than Craig Sheffer, who's just is like a snoozeville to the max. <laughs> yeah. He cannot carry this movie. No, he should not have been the lead. And he has a romantic interest who also uh, he has no um, chemistry, no chemistry with. And they can't carry the the romantic story together at all. Yeah. But uh, who plays young Norman, which is Craig Sheffer's character, little Jogo Lev. Yeah, little Jogo Lev. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Another guy who's still kicking around today. He he was in an episode of Poker Face that was very good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I think this was his first movie, right? Yeah, he, I believe, had a background role in, in Beethoven before this. But oh, besides cute. that, this is his first like real role. So essentially the story is about Norman and Paul, two brothers who grew up in Missoula, Montana with a preacher father played by Tom Skerritt and just sort of like a homemaker mother. And they're wild boys who love nature and are as wild as the Montana wilderness. Uh, But Norman goes off to college and becomes a professor and Paul, the younger brother, is a booze hound newsman in Missoula. (laughs) (laughs) Or a news hound booze man. (laughs) That's true. A news hound booze man. (laughs) And it's kind of about how they love each other and fly fishing truly brings them together. But uh, in the end, Paul is lives fast and dies young and yeah. Norman lives slow and dies old. <laughs> old it's true. <laughs> Jesus, nothing happens in this movie. I just got to say, like maybe three or four things happen in this movie. What about when um, they shoot the shoot? <laughs> they shoot the shoot? Yeah, they go down the the waterfall in a boat. Oh, right. Yeah, that's one of the things that happens in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's not very much. Uh I think, uh, so this is Robert Redford directed. Mm -hmm. Um, He had previously done Ordinary People, which I haven't seen since high school. Oh, God. I That's a very sad movie. And uh, something else called The Milagro Beanfield War, which I've never heard of. It is lost to time. But I think Robert Redford might be kind of a mediocre director of movies. I mean, maybe he's better now. I don't know. I don't know. Like, if you look at his filmography as a director. Okay, let's look at it. I don't think he has a lot of greats. He's got The Legend of Bagger Vance, The Horse Whisperer, Lions for Lambs, 
A couple other movies that I've never heard of. Quiz These show. These are all like Oscar bait movies. They're all Oscar bait movies and they're all not very good. The ones I've seen at least. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, Ordinary People has great acting in it. Sure. Yeah. And I think maybe even won a few Oscars for the actors. I can't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he just got lucky with his first film. But he actually can't direct actors well. I'll also say that this is one of the whitest movies I've ever seen in my life. I 100% agree with you. And in typical 90s fashion, like this was such a popular thing in the 90s. This film was both righteous and racist at the same time. In the fact that there's Thank a you. whole storyline about... Brad Pitt's character is dating an indigenous woman. The only non-white character in the whole movie. Yet she is played by a white woman. Like the whitest lady you've ever seen. And there are scenes where it's trying to show a character. This character is nice to the indigenous woman, but it's like, oh my God, I love your hair. And that is such a fucked up thing that now we have conversations about. It's like othering someone in a way, even though in this film, they're portraying it as like, no, it's it's this character sweet for liking this indigenous woman's hair. It's almost like he's so connected to nature that he dates an indigenous woman like she's the same as fishing and trees and bears (laughs) is what the movie is saying. And the fact that they try to make it like, oh, he's a good guy because she's not allowed in the speakeasy, but he brings her anyways. And and it's also like maybe he's just being rebellious, you know? So there's a scene I have to talk about. Yes. It's actually really one scene and then they get into it again at the end. But there's a scene where Tom Skerritt and Brad Pitt and Norm are fishing. Yeah. And they all whip out their fish. Yes. And compare the sizes of their fish. Yeah. And it really, really feels like they're comparing dick size. <laughs> and the, the first one is when the boys are still kind of lo- young, like in their late teens. They're like 19 mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know... uh Norm has a little, you know, sardine. Um, Brad Pitt comes out and he's got like, you know, a bass. But then uh, Tom Skerritt's like, well, look what I have. And he flops his big old like trout, just big old trout on the table. And they're like, uh-huh. yep, dad's got the biggest dick. <laughs> but then at the end of the movie, Brad Pitt catches the biggest damn fish you've ever seen. And Tom Skerritt even has to admit, you know, Brad Pitt. You have the biggest dick now. And that is the first moment when Tom Skerritt truly is like proud of Brad Pitt's character. He says, you're a fine fisherman. And that's like the way that he shows his child love. There's a bunch of toxic masculinity stuff in here. Like when Norman goes away for college and, you know, Brad Pitt is clearly like upset and he kind of chases him down the platform and is like wait wait Norman and then he's like goodbye and he puts his hand out and they shake hands (laughs) 
It's like, no hug, you idiots. And, you know, Brad Pitt is <laughs> sad and he just goes, ah, get out of here. You know, <laughs> it's like, I think um, Norman as a character is supposed to be very stiff and awkward, at which I guess works in Craig, uh, whatever the actor's name's favor, because he is stiff and awkward as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also somehow stops any like emotional connection with his character. Like I truly don't care. And it, okay. I'm just going to like spoil the end. Brad Pitt's character dies. And can I just say that they really telegraph his death for a while before, like first you think he's going to die in the gambling house right and then you think he's gonna die catching the huge fish yes and then you're like oh okay i guess they're not gonna kill him and then the next scene they're like yeah he died <laughs> and you don't see it it's just like yeah oh i went to the police station and had to id his body and he tells his parents and it's like no one emotes there's like not a single emotion except for maybe his mom like puts her head down at one point so it's like really hard to feel the gravity of his death. Yeah, the the emotional stuff in the end feels forced and unearned and it just I didn't resonate with me at all. There were um some lines that I love like um when Brad Pitt is talking about how he went fly fishing with Calvin Coolidge and like mm-hmm. interviewed Calvin Coolidge the president. Yeah. He says if he can't catch a trout, he's going to scare one to death. <laughs> and then this old man, who I guess is the mailman, at one point goes, chicken in a car, car won't go. That's how you spell Chicago. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a quote, I guess, that they say in Chicago. My, my wife, Andrea's mom, says that. That's wild. I've never heard that before. It's not, I, I've never had a problem spelling Chicago. <laughs> Can I talk to you about the one thing in this movie that I did like? Yes. Uh, It's a little character by the name of Old Rawhide. Wait, what? (laughs) Who is Old Rawhide? Old Rawhide was the uh, barf floozy. Oh, yes, yes. Old Rawhide. I remember her. (laughs) Uh, She kind of reminds me of of the kind of lady that my old mentor Mustang O'Malley would date. Yes. Um, just a real like wild lady. She uh, She's like a little leathery. Uh, she likes booze and sex. Uh-huh. She and uh, what? The brother? The brother of Norman's love interest, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, they they have sex in the woods and fall asleep and, and sunburn their butts. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to spend more time with old Rawhide and less time with the rest of the people. She was great. I wanted Um, to know more about old Rawhide. I want to clarify, uh, Mustang O'Malley was um, Gabe's science mentor, but he was my improv teacher. He taught me 301. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't have I didn't have him for improv, just science. Yeah, and, um, and he, you know, gosh, uh, what a great guy. He taught me basically everything I know I needed to know to make the time machine that brought us back in time. Yeah, and he taught me everything I know about endowing <laughs> a character, uh, you know, with characteristics slyly um, in a scene. He also taught you how to play Thunderdome. 
He taught me how to zip zap zap. I mean, this guy, he knows it all. Yeah. But yeah, Mustang O'Malley used to talk a lot about um, the old gals back in the day. And yeah, he did have a story about someone who was similar to Ulra Hyde. One thing that I thought was interesting in the voiceover narration in this film, they introduce her. She's just sitting at the bar. She's already drunk and she's kind of staring at Neil, Jesse's brother. And Jesse's brother is, a, is an idiot and he's from Hollywood. <laughs> it's a real anti-Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. And um, they introduce her by saying she was a beauty queen as a youth. And yeah. she won because she wore, she rode a horse bareback, stood kind of like up on the horse and... All of the, I guess, horny judges saw her bouncing around on that horse and gave her the, you know, crown for the beauty contest. Amazing. It was such a like mess. Show me up. that movie. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. You want I the want old to see... rawhide pick? <laughs> I want the old rawhide biopic. She had a a great line where she yells at Brad Pitt to to drive like he's driving her home. And she's like, come on, Buster, I'm drying out, which means she's getting yeah. sober and she doesn't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> she ends up getting uh, like she has sex with Neil, the brother, um, out in the woods while the boys are fly fishing and they fall asleep naked and they both get sunburns down their butts and backs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the movie ends you know, Brad Pitt dies, and then we cut forward. We get some sepia tone footage of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a kid again, and then we get we see Norm as an old man fishing, and it's still Robert Redford doing the voiceover, but the old man is not Robert Redford. And Robert Redford says, "I'm too old to do anything except fish anymore. Everyone I know is dead, including the girl that I loved," um, and. Then he gets to say something, something, a river runs through it, and then that's the end of the movie. Yeah, he does a little poetry uh, corner at the end where he's talking about the water over the rocks like, you know, teardrops or something like that. And then <laughs> yes. the, the very last line is like, the water haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. It's very sad. It makes old age sound just like miserable and, and you know, sad. Yeah, I agree. But it did make me relieved that the movie was over. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, should we wrap it up? Do we have anything else to say about it? I think we've said all that we can say. Okay. Adele, we've just finished discussing our reviews for... A River Runs Through It from 1992. Sounds like a good pick. On a scale of one to five fishing hooks, how would you rate A River Runs Through It? Okay. Well, it was your pick, so... <laughs> Way to pat she's, yourself on the back. Yeah, she's just complimenting herself. Okay, so we we're, she wants us to rate it on a scale from one to five fishing hooks, which makes sense because the movie is about fishing. Yeah, it's a lot of fishing. They talk okay. about fishing as 
essentially like communing with God. So it makes sense. Yes, exactly. So how would you like to rate it on a scale from one to five fishing hooks? Okay, so this is hard for me because, you know, if I were rating it back in 1990, whatever, when I first saw it, I would probably have said five because I loved it so much. Wow, that's a lot of fishing hooks. Yeah, but now, you know, with my, you know, wiser, more experienced eyes, I'm seeing the flaws in it. Uh, but I still have a lot of nostalgia for it. And also, you know, Brad Pitt, he's charming and cute as hell in this. Um, so I think I've got to go three fishing hooks. I don't want to be a downer, but I, I just didn't like it. It it's fine. literally didn't have any non-white people in the cast. And uh-huh. <laughs> that sucks. Um, the politics were very 90s and in 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 the worst way. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bore and and not in the way that I would want it to be. So I am going to give it one fishing hook. Wow. And that one fishing hook is just for old Rawhide, my favorite <laughs> character in the movie. Um, I have to say it also has like beautiful views of Montana. They actually filmed it in Montana. And it just makes me want to go to Montana. It looks nice. I Yeah, I'll give him that. It does look nice. Um, okay, Adele. So Anastasia's giving it three fishing hooks. I'm giving it one fishing hook. Interesting ratings. If given the choice, would you rather allow a river runs through it to continue to exist or erase it from history? Yeah, so this is tricky. This is one of the things we need to decide is whether we think a river runs through it should continue to exist or we have the option of erasing it from history so it never existed. And we have to agree on this. We, we do. We need a consensus, right? Yeah. Okay, let's hear your thoughts first, because I think people... My stance is probably that this movie does not need to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the big stars, Brad Pitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, they, they were, they're going to make it no matter what. Mm-hmm. The people who are not big stars... I mean, they might as well have never been in a movie in the first place. <laughs> so Hard, Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. But I do love a rawhide, and I don't necessarily <laughs> want to wipe her from existence. So if you, if you want to keep this movie in existence, I will support you on that. You know, I, it's funny because I kind of agree with you. Like, there really is no reason for this movie to exist. I do know a couple people from Montana who love this movie because they think it really portrays Montana well. Like, Mon- Montana is a character in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It portrays a lot of, like, the history of Montana and, like, uses, The whiteness like, of Montana. And the whiteness of Montana. That being said... I actually think it would affect nothing if this film didn't exist. It might affect that one joke that I saw as a kid that I thought was so funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can't even find that. But I can't even find it. So it's already been wiped from history. Uh, It would suck if we couldn't write our breakout old Rawhide film. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, maybe if this movie didn't exist, we could just claim that as like original IP from us. Yeah. We wrote the old Rawhide story. Okay, so should we wipe it? 
I Are we feel saying like we should wipe it? I feel like maybe we should wipe it. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay. Adele, Anastasia and I have agreed to wipe A River Runs Through It from history. Sorry. Understood. The movie has been erased from history. Wow. On to the next adventure. Where and when to next, my friends? Well, I mean, uh, I guess hopefully that's home, right? what we have to find out. Yeah, it's time to move on. Let's push the big button and see what happens. And just keep our, our fingers crossed that we will be in a time period that is home. <laughs> right? I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my toes. All right, here goes. Doing a little prayer. Oh man. Oh no. (laughs) Welcome to the 17th of July 1949. We're fully immersed in post World War II recovery programs and the start of the Cold War. The first Polaroid camera hit the shelves, and Some Enchanted Evening by Perry Como is a big hit. Okay, so we previously went to 1940 and that sucked <laughs> yeah so now we're in 1949 maybe it'll World be better yeah maybe it'll be better okay so next week uh so tell us uh what you want us to review i am commanding both of you to watch and review the academy award-winning 1949 film all the king's men please report back to me with your ratings oh jeez. oh jeez. Okay, so that's been our our show, our podcast. Uh, we are now in 1949. We started the podcast in 1992. Um, and next week, we are going to be talking about all kinds of 1949 stuff. Oh, we'll see how it goes. I'm nervous. I'm sad. <laughs> we went further away from our home time, not closer to it. Well... Stas, the only thing I can say is I'm I'm glad that I'm able to uh, share this experience with you. I think if it was just me stuck in the past, it would be much harder. Yeah, I agree. It would be um, absolutely miserable to be out here alone. Um, it's actually been kind of fun hanging out with you in these different times. Um, so we'll see how 1949 is. Maybe it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Time. (laughs) Follow the show on Instagram at TimeholePod, and visit our website, timehole.biz. Andrew Bear created our theme music. Andrea Tomingas designed our artwork. Many thanks to them both. For more information, links and sources, check out the episode notes. Timehole is an independent production created by Anastasia Vigo and Gabe Dannon.